how's it going, y'all? Welcome to 25% No Ice. My name is Megan, and I'm here to share my life with you 30 minutes at a time. We're gonna talk all about college life, growing up, and everything in between. So sit back, get your favorite bobas, and let's spill some tea. What is up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of 25% No Eyes. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the life of a working student and how to juggle between studying and working. So I know that we as students have a lot on our hands. We have to navigate social interactions with our teachers and peers and balance between academics and extracurriculars or even clubs and societies. There would be additional responsibility if we are even expected to financially support ourselves or maybe even family members. I can relate and understand so much that this is a very real and a large part of a lot of students' life, especially in certain cultures. Now, as what you guys have probably heard from the Hello World episode, I used to live in Canada for some time and today you are in for a treat. We have a guest. Hey Christian, how are you doing? Hi everyone, I'm doing well here, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, so Christian here is a friend of mine whom I met in church during my stay in Canada. So can you tell us where do you study, where do you work, and how long have you been doing that? Yeah, I mean, I can start off with my first year of university, I guess. Uh, so I went to Trinity Western University uh, in my first year. I did a Bachelor of Science there in Biotechnology. And then I transferred out to Simon Fraser University out in Burnaby for, again, another Bachelor of Science in Health Sciences. So in the summer of 2015 is when I started actually working part-time at a supermarket. It was called The Real Canadian Superstore because we're Canadian like that here in BC. I did part-time there as a seafood clerk, um, wasn't taking any summer classes, so it was a pretty good transition, you know, between school and then going into work, where eventually when I went to SFU, Simon Fraser University, I started to juggle between both working and going to school at the same time. After that, I transferred out to the University of British Columbia, where I eventually graduated with another Bachelor of Science degree. It was one of a um, challenging one for me, actually, because I live in Surrey and it's about like an hour to an hour and a half drive oh, to campus. That's, that's really long. Yeah, it's it's very long because I actually don't drive. I take the bus and the SkyTrain. Uh, for those of you who don't know what a SkyTrain is, it's a train that is not on the road it's uh it's up high on the uh they have like little rails yeah um in singapore we have something like that but we call it an lrt an lrt yeah yeah and so i would commute almost about 20 hours a week or five hours a day four hours a day which was really hard because again i was working at the time too and part of the challenges for me was you know having enough sleep, mm -hmm. you know, getting my schoolwork done, getting my studying done, and at the same time, trying to make sure that I get on shift, like at work on time too, right? Mm -hmm. It was it was very exhausting for sure. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, how far away was your workplace compared to your school? Yeah, yeah. So school was uh, school is in Vancouver, so it's about thirty to forty kilometers away. Whereas work was only one kilometer away. So it was nice because at the time I was able to work, you know, five a.m. shifts to nine o'clock in the morning, and then I would bus out to Vancouver for my one o'clock class. And then you know I finish my day at eight p.m. Then I commute back to Surrey, where I would get home around ten ten thirty. Then I would wake up again the next day at four, and then go back to work at five. And it's pretty exhausting, you know.、Uh, just it's the routine. How much time of sleep do you get per day? Per day varies depending on how full the、uh, my. Buses and sky trains are, but definitely during the night, I I don't get much. Maybe about five hours or so. But the bonus of commuting in the morning is that there's usually some seats where I can just take a nap. <laughs> so, you know, if I did the math during the week, I get enough sleep. But during the night, it's pretty tiring, especially working as a full time student. And then we call here、uh, part time work is less than about twenty four hours. So you know, I work twenty four hours and then I commute twenty hours. That's almost a full time job already,、oh、plus、gosh. a full time student. But what is the reason of you having to get a job? Because from what I understand,、um, in Singapore or in Asian countries in general, we don't really go to work while studying. Our parents would usually support us up till bachelor. So what was your reason? For me, it was、um, it was trying to get the habit of becoming independent,、uh, especially here in Western cultures, where a lot of you know kids in their nineteens or even their early twenties they would move out from their parents' house and then they would live their life their own way, pretty much. And the culture of and the tradition, I think itself, is the difference. Like for me, the the reason why I wanted to do it was. To get my time management、uh, build up, so eventually when I do get older and you know I work full time and then I have my own family and my own kids, I I have sort of a good background of how to manage my time. Because what I find also is, the more busy you are, the better you manage your time. Yeah, I do agree to that hundred <laughs> percent. For sure,、uh, I think a lot of the not not exchange but like international students. They they would come here, and as you said, the parents would support them. But that's sort of the parents' way of getting their kids independent is by going to school abroad. Whereas、uh, most of the families here and the culture, they learn independence through just you know living away from home, but still、mm-hmm. nearby, just in case they need food. <laughs> <laughs> but I think. Culture also play a big part in why things are done that way. Because, for instance, in Singapore, you don't really move out of your parents' house unless you got married. Because the housing here is crazy, the rental is crazy high, and it's just not really worth it. People are just saving up. For this thing called HDB, which is basically public housing that is subsidized by the government,、uh, because we live in an apartment here instead of landed houses, because landed houses are crazy expensive, and Singapore is not that big enough to have a lot of landed houses, right?、Mm-hmm. And yeah, 
um, what about in Canada? How is that? How what's the difference there? It's interesting that you mentioned that actually because what the kids would do is they would also sort of save up, but in a way they would save money by living with a bunch of their friends. So they'd be paying rent for a house, which are also very very expensive. But if they have a group of let's say eight or ten people in the house, then they're sort of cutting their monthly payments and budgets mm-hmm. because they're splitting it right. And I also noticed that there are many students now who are starting to just stay at their parents' house for the sake of saving money because all of the house prices in Vancouver have risen up, and most of them are, you know. Most of the kids can't afford to buy houses, especially you know when they're still in school or if they're working part time. And I understand why the parents would wanna allow the children to learn some independence, but at the same time, the kids are still dependents with their friends. If that makes any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I get it, I get it. I mean, in Singapore. It's just not wise for you to move out at all when it comes to saving up because I don't know in Canada how it's like, but here a lot of the locals have this sort of I guess you can imagine it as the American dream, but this is a Singapore dream. Um, so the, so the Singapore dream is that um, you would graduate from high school and then you'll graduate from uni, and high school diploma here is. Not enough for you to just get a job. You need to get a degree minimum, and then after that, you would save up. You would get a good job, and then you would save up, and then hopefully you can get a flat,、um, a house, and then get married. So a lot of the Singapore dream is to be able to have a financially stable、um, family in the future. Right, right. But what about in Canada, like the Western culture? How is it like? How is it like? It's interesting because before, you know, a lot of companies would sort of just accept any workers who show, you know, good dedication, good work ethics. But now, with、uh, a lot of competition in schools, a bachelor degree actually is not going to get you anywhere, right? So a diploma, I think, might be. I'm not quite sure how it is in Singapore, but over here, a diploma is when you finish high school, which is up to grade twelve. And then you would have your bachelor's degree of、mm-hmm. you know like four years, and then you would do your master's degree.、Um, a lot of high-end companies actually would prefer someone who has a master's degree over a bachelor's degree. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, you can start working and just as soon as you graduate from university.、Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of that competitive part in terms of full time,、uh, but part time jobs. Uh, they don't really require so much of the schooling experience、uh, because obviously you you're making minimum wage, but due to the、uh, recent COVIDs here, a lot of companies are actually hiring you know part time workers just because they need people to work you know grocery stores or something like that, and they would give incentives and bonuses just for showing up to work.、Uh, obviously, with with all the safety plans put in place. And I have a couple of friends who actually made almost the same amount as a full-time worker、uh, due to these、uh, incentives as well. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you if、uh, the Western culture is it 
very normal for them for students to work while studying when it comes to local students yeah yeah so as i said uh earlier in terms of the independence part the parents are actually wanting the students or at least their kids to sort of work and save up their money for their education again this happens most of the time but obviously not all the time so that's sort of their way of approaching independency where you know you're you're again multitasking you're sort of juggling uh you have the work and school balance but you also have your life as yeah. well right like you, you go out with your friends um but there are times where sometimes it gets too much so most of the students actually just work 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 and go out with friends and they don't get enough sleep <laughs> <laughs> is that are you or, considered to be in that category oh definitely not i i work just enough i study just enough and i sleep just enough because as i said my commute time is where i i nap the most mm-hmm. but you know i i work just to gain some experience for the future mm-hmm. uh so i guess for me i'm more in the singaporean dream where you know i'm saving up for my families in the future, for when I get married, uh, for when I have kids. That's sort of my mindset when it comes to working. Yeah. Would you say that you have this mindset slightly different compared to the local students, partially because you're also an Asian by blood? Okay, so for you guys who don't know, Christian is an Indonesian, but he was you, you were born in Indonesia, right? And then you were brought to Canada when you were so young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so would you agree that that culture is still with you, so that's why you're slightly different? I would say yes, because that's how my parents uh, sort of raised me. Uh, so, you know, we I still talk in my mother language, which is a bonus because a lot of my relatives are still back in Indonesia. Mm, yeah. What the cul- yeah, the culture is a little bit mixed for me because I grew up, you know, in, in the Western culture, but at the same time, I was raised in an Asian culture. So I sort of get to experience both sides because uh, a lot of my friends are born here. And so their their parents, you know, like they're all Canadians and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the way I think is, you know, I take the best of both worlds, you know, <laughs> just take advantage of what's just take advantage of what's given to you. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's a agree. bonus to see the, the pluses and the, the minuses, right? The pros and cons of what is, what is it like to be independent on your own? What is it like to be independent because your parents tell you to? Uh-huh. Or what is it like to be independent because, you know, you're thinking ahead? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what I like to do. It's just, I know there is, there's always pros and cons to everything, but you try to make the best of what you have uh, with what's given to you, right? Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that you studied in three different schools for your bachelor. Why did you do that? And isn't schools in Canada a little bit expensive can you give us a rough number for bachelor and did your parents pay for it or is the culture there um you would have to pay for it yourself i am truly blessed because uh canada has something called student loans so uh, what the student loans do is any student uh, can apply for it and then they can repay it back once they get a job or something after they finish their schooling Uh, the reason why i went to different universities was because of circumstances and family situ- like family situational. So for example, I went to Trinity in my first year because it was super close to my house. And then my younger brother was still in high school then. But it was a private institution. 
mm-hmm. which costs almost like four times the price of a of a public institution like SFU did. And then when after I finished one year at Trinity, my younger brother graduated high school, then we both went to SFU together. So, you know, it's more feasible for all of us to sort of just repay the loans when it costs less, you know what I mean? So then that you're you're not so much in debt after you graduated. But I've always wanted to go to UBC. Check it out guys, University of British Columbia. It looks fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's one of the oldest institutions there, right? Correct, yeah. It's uh, located in yeah, West Point Grey. Uh, we have two campuses, one in Okanagan as well. What's famous about that school? Can you talk about that a little bit? Like what are they special what are they specializing in? Yeah, so I actually went into Bachelor of Science in Forest Sciences. Canada's forest industry is one of the biggest incoming like businesses uh, for Canada's revenue. And so I went into the genetics aspect of it. For example, I, I studied how to, you know, raise uh, trees and then genetically modifying it to adapt to its surrounding areas, such as, you know, warming weather, how to make it more or less susceptible to diseases and insects. Uh, for example, here in BC, we have a lot of beetles that really like uh, our pine trees. And so we try to modify uh, genetically pine trees so that the beetles don't kill them so much. <laughs> okay, but why did you enroll into that course? Like, was it purely out of your interest in the subject? Or was it a good major to have that would maybe offer you a bright job prospect, which would let you get a job easier? To answer your your uh, previous question first, Ashley, so UBC is very known, very much known for its forestry faculty. Uh, we have the best, or if not one of the best, uh, forestry programs in the world, where we collaborate with a lot of professors and workers from Sweden, Germany, uh, Switzerland, China, and a lot of uh, Southeast Asian countries as well, where there's a lot of tropical forests. The job perspective in this faculty is, or at least in this field, is quite high. And uh, it's it's a good paying job because, again, it's one of Canada's leading industries, right? We have a lot of forests and beautiful parks here in Vancouver. And I wouldn't say I enrolled in it purely out of interest. I think I enrolled in it because I applied to the university a little bit too late. <laughs> so the only science program that was open was Forest Sciences. Okay. As, as, you know, as I mentioned before, I, had, I did all of my science courses in the other... Uh, two institutions at Trinity and at SFU. So if I wanted to transfer the credits, which by the way is another great thing about going to school here in BC is the transfer credits are so easily uh, applicable to your program institution. So you don't have to retake a lot of the courses that you might need for your degree, um... which which I loved because I had a lot of transferable credits. So I actually only did half of my program, which are all just forestry classes because I did all of my science classes already. And then I took this one class and I just fell in love with it. You know, there's so, so much more to trees than I thought there would be. <laughs> I think that's pretty interesting, actually, because in Singapore, most local students will try to get into one of the six public universities like NUS, NTU, SMU, um, SUTD, SUSS, and I think there's this one called SIT. So for local students, programs in these universities are subsidized and in general, it is a lot more competitive 
to get into and thus I think that's why it's more recognized as compared to private institutions. So this sort of translates to um, some sort of a discrimination by employers when fresh graduate fresh graduates apply for jobs upon graduation both in terms of the opportunities as well as a difference in the starting pay. Salary gap in the same field or sort of just like in general? In the same field. In the same field, okay. Yeah, so there's a huge discrimination here. What about there? Is there something similar as that? I wouldn't think so because, uh, as I said, even though there are pros and cons between the private institutions and the public institutions, a lot of the time, most uh, employers, they don't look in particular of where you graduated from, especially at least specifically here in Vancouver. But what they're looking for is your work experience and how much you've gathered in your knowledge in that particular field. For example, if I was to graduate, uh, you know, UBC Medica- Medical School or University of Alberta, um, as long as you have a similar amount of experience working in the field, they don't really discriminate between that in terms of salary because everything here is uh, systemized. So if you're working as a nurse, this is your starting wage. If you were working as a doctor, this is your salary wage. Um, so it doesn't really matter where you go to your school for in terms of salary, but obviously the discrimination is always on, oh, you went to that school or like, oh yeah, that school is great, but it's more of like the society and the cultural norm of it. So it's not so much about the pay that, that is discriminated. It's more about the name of the university, I guess. Yeah, I get what you mean. All right, I think that's quite a lot of information on jobs and school already. Now, I'd like to ask you specifically on your time management and how you juggle between work and school because I'm guessing, based on my experience at least over the years, that your employers would probably be more understanding, thus giving you a more flexible hour since they know that you're still a student. Is that true? Is that the same there? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question, actually. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have worked in uh, a lot of places that are unionized. So they have contracts where, you know, like you have to have a minimum amount of available days that you can work. But in terms of your hours, it's more flexible towards what you can actually fit in. So for me, uh, the reason why I chose to work in the morning was because I had afternoon classes. Or even in some places where each semester changes right uh, your your schedule changes so the employers are also able to understand that hey yeah um, every semester is going to be different so your hours might change because over here the schooling is from September to December January to April and then the summer is obviously May to August and so a lot of the employers sort of have that knowledge in the in the back already because as I said a lot of workers are part-time students who are working to pay for their school but Mm -hmm. it's 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 definitely different when you're working full-time uh a lot of students don't actually work full-time because Mm -hmm. over here full-time is considered working more than 37 hours like 37 to 40 hours and most of the times 
students don't have 40 hours allocated for work because they're already studying for 40 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a lot of flexibility and understandability, like um, and understandable uh, circumstances where employers could be lenient uh, for you. Is it sort of similar in, uh, in Singapore? Um, in Singapore, it's a little bit similar to that as well. But I mean, I think uh, everywhere in the world, if you mention that you're a student, people would sort of understand where you're standing and understand that, you know, you're on a budget and you're just trying to support yourself. You're so studying because your main goal is to study and your work is just there to support yourself, um, to give you pocket money, to pay for rent. So um, the part-time jobs in Singapore wouldn't really be considered um, a stable job, I would say. Because for instance, if you go to a Nike store, you'll see a lot of young people working there, but it'll only be seasonal or they would have a temporary contract of about one to six months time. Most uni students would aim for internships instead of about six to 12 months. Right, yeah. They do this either before they start their degree, which means after diploma or during uni where they take a semester gap, or some would even go to the extreme of becoming a full-time student and a full-time intern at the same time. Yeah, what I noticed also as well is what most students would do is they just work in the summer for four months and then they can actually afford a full year of school tuition. Oh, um, so, so, so that's in public really interesting. Yeah, in public institutions, their, their tuitions are actually much cheaper than private institutions. So they would work a lot of the time just during the April to the August part, like a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And then which would pretty much cover the tuition of the whole from September to April part, which is uh, understandable too, right? Because a lot of the times, if let's say they were renting an apartment or a house with with their friends, they would all collect the money just to pay for the rent, but they would also save up to pay for their school. Ooh, that's a pretty cool fact to know because in Singapore, most people won't be able to earn enough in a period of three months as an undergraduate to afford a year of tuition fees in uni even in local university so on average the yearly course fees would be around 8 to 10k and a part-time job or internship as an undergraduate for three months would probably not be able to cover for this so in the end they might work just for the pocket money or end up treating it as a holiday (laughs) yeah as i said again when you're when um, what employers are looking for is your experience right so for example if you were in a field of forestry maybe employers are looking okay so from april to august what did you do in that time you can say oh yeah i actually went to yukon and planted trees or i did some volunteering times with the city of you know let's say surrey or the city of vancouver in pruning trees and gardening and you know helping seniors with their yards and stuff like that because that actually builds up your resume Mm -hmm. that you've had some work or a volunteer experience in the field which is relevant to what you're uh what you're gonna be right and after you graduate Mm -hmm. yeah i think um the people here in singapore also do something like that but most of them would just go for an internship, uh, whether be it paid internship or not paid internship. I don't think people would volunteer as much because 
um, let's just be honest. Singaporeans are very practical. If you don't get paid for it, I can use my time for something else more beneficial for myself. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's the same here too. Like, <laughs> you don't want to waste time, right? You want to do something that you can get something out of it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's be money or, or work related or some experience of some sort. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we covered quite a lot of stuff here. Some of them are really interesting. So, do you have some ideas on jobs, like recommendations for future students who would like to study there as an international student? Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of international students actually, um, and particularly from Indonesia, they they come to UBC or SFU to study business because a lot of the times the the parents are businessmen or you know they have some sort of household business in indonesia back home and so they would actually send their kids here to study business which i thought was a little bit odd because if you want to learn business in the marketplace why not just learn it where you can actually gain full experience there uh, and then the more i thought about it I, I was trying to put myself in their place like why would you go to a, to canada to study something you can study at home i think it's just the differences between the culture so as you're broadening your knowledge your you know inner depth you're also building connections as well so it's it's funny because i actually had a friend uh, from indonesia who went to school at sfu for business but the thing is he went back to indonesia to start up his own business but now he's growing here in canada and so the connections he made here actually help uh, broaden his business in indonesia and I think that's that's a pretty cool, you know, aspect or interesting things as well for international students. So uh, if you want to do like a startup business or a startup company, or if you want to gain knowledge, you know, being exposed to different cultures, I think it's really great. You know, I had a, an opportunity for a co-op program in France um, to work at how, you know, they do their farming and to learn more about the soil system there and how different types of plants grow. And it's really great to be more exposed. Uh, I wouldn't recommend coming to Canada now because of, you know, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, definitely, if, if you guys have a chance, go for it. Um, I, you know, even as it's changed for a month, I think it, it's a good uh, experience as well. And uh, I want to go to Singapore too, uh, just to see sort of, you know, expose to different culture and different people's mindsets as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really good. I think... When you mention about why Indonesians, for example, in this case, Indonesians would come to Canada to study when you can learn it on your own country. I think the okay the culture in Indonesia is that if you have uh, if you come from a well-off family, they would send their kids to overseas wherever that is. I, in this case, Canada. I would I would say that Canada offer one of the best international student services that i have ever seen so far uh like for the chances of you getting a scholarship is quite relatively easier mm -hmm. and um the support that the country itself will give you and if you prefer to later on stay there it's not as hard compared to let's say singapore or the u.s even yeah yeah i wanted to ask you about this as well um for students who are quite well off in Canada, would their parents send them overseas for um, university or would most of them just stay inside the country? Because in Singapore, even though the institutions in Singapore are really, really good, like they're one of the top notch in the world. But if 
your parents are well off and they can support you, they would usually send you overseas instead. That's a, that's an that's a good question. From from what I know, um, well off families here actually just let their uh, kids um, study here. But what they would do is they would go on co-ops or internships in another country to get that exposure. So uh, they wouldn't be doing their full time studies out in like Singapore or out in Europe, but they would get at least about three month or eight month co-op terms where they could work and study in uh, other countries outside of Canada. But again, most of the time, the the well-off families that I've come to know are, you know, professors or they work at the institutions and so their kids actually can study for free because the parents are, um, are staff of the university. So a lot of the people who actually attended Trinity Western University have parents who work at the school and so they get free tuition <laughs> which I envy but you know whatever. wait are you sh- are you sure it's free like it's absolutely free no discounts or whatever no, it's, it's absolutely free oh my gosh you just pay for textbooks oh my god and you pass and whatever yeah no the the tuition itself is 100% free <laughs> so if you know like get a job work at a school and then get, send your kids there <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i think we covered a lot of stuff today um some of them are really interesting so thank you for that christian um before we end it i we have this thing on the podcast it's called questions in a minute where i would ask you random questions and you would have to answer them and try to get as much answer as possible in one minute Okay, what's your record so far? My record so far, um, we have we had this guest called Patrick, and he hit eleven questions. Okay. So let's see if you can beat that. <laughs> sure, let's go for okay. it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the timer, and in three, two, one, we'll start. So, supermarket or wet market? Supermarket. Favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Uh, dream vacation destination? Paris. Favorite superhero? Wonder Woman. Marvel or DC? DC. Adidas or Nike? Nike. What's your spirit animal? Favorite dog. Um, Apple or Android? Psh, Android. <laughs> Apple or Mac? Like what? Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft. No, Apple, iOS. Okay. Uh, role. Who is your role model? My father. What is your favorite music genre? Jazz. Uh, what are you listening to at the moment? Your voice. <laughs> favorite podcast show if you have any? None. All right. And that's one minute. You got a new record. Yay. Congratulations. To, to you. <laughs> um, let me see. I think you hit like 13 questions. Or was it 14? I think I could do, I could do more if you're, if you're actually like speaking faster, you know, you, you got a lot of pauses there. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait a second. It's not entirely my fault because you can't host a podcast by speeding with your words <laughs> well you know what i'm so happy to be in your show and i'm so blessed to be a guest here and i hope that uh you uh keep doing what you're doing and uh god bless on that oh thanks for that anyway thank you so much for coming christian i haven't seen you in years and hopefully we can catch up again yeah not a problem all right bye see you guys bye megan Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. 
Don't forget to subscribe if you love to spend some quality boba time with me and you can find 25% new eyes on Spotify. Follow me on Instagram at Megan Bahar and I'll link that at the description box. This podcast is produced by Megan Bahar and co-produced and edited by Everest. See you on the next episode.